I will not ask for a show of hands for those who have ever experienced worry and anxiety in life, <laughs> right? <laughs> or how many of us are going through it even now? How many are worried and anxious about the future? How many are worried and anxious about children and grandchildren? How many are worried and anxious about job or about money and provision? Or how many of us who are really right now feeling a sense of anxiety? What I've learned through the years is that worry is one of those acceptable sins. Yeah, there are some sins that are acceptable. I think gluttony is one of those sins that are acceptable sins. Um, and the reason for that, we have other equivalent words for it, uh, uh, concern or apprehension or caring. The question, if you ask me, have you ever been worried and anxious about some things? The answer is resoundly yes. But from everything I read now is that anxiety has become a pandemic, especially among young people. Anxiety meds are among the most prescribed meds. Uh, even some young people are experiencing this anxiety in larger and larger numbers, and not just in this country, but in other countries. Question, is there a cure or treatment for worry and anxiety? Yes, absolutely yes. Before I get to the cure, I want to tell you a few things that I have learned about worry and anxiety. You can take them or leave them. I have discovered that once worry and anxiety has a foothold it can invade the whole thought process. I personally discovered that if worry and anxiety is not dealt with immediately, it spreads like ivy. And yet the truth is, if we really think about it, if you think about it, and I have done a lot of thinking about it in the past 55 years, Worry, any worry, has the slimmest foundation in facts. It has the slimmest foundation in facts. I can tell you that not only every study that I've read, but I know from my own personal experience that 90% of the things we worry about, they never happen. Let me illustrate from nature. A dense fog that literally extensive enough to cover a six city blocks that is 10 feet deep, 100 feet deep. It composed of less than a glass of water. Think about this. One glass of water atomized into 60,000 million droplets can throw a whole city into confusion. Worry works the same way. It works the same way. 
one small bit of worry can fog our whole consciousness. Uh, it creeps into every corner of our life. It distracts our attention. It spoils our enjoyment. It causes you to underperform. Small glass of water. Small glass of worry goes a long way. Now, I'm told that the English word, normally we get words origin from Latin or Greek, but the origin of the word worry in the English word comes from the German, which is, it means to strangle or choke. The truth is, that's exactly what will happen if worry and anxiety not dealt with immediately. I mean, as soon as it raises its ugly head. Left undealt with, worry is like a stream, steady stream, that will eventually <laughs> cut a channel wide enough to drain your, all of your energy. And uh, the longer it goes untreated, the harder it shifts. Do I know a little bit about that? Right? But thank God in this church, in the church we believe that there's nothing impossible with God. In this church we take God's word and God's promises seriously. In this church we believe that our God is the God of the impossible. Now, beloved, you know and I know that worry and anxiety is widespread problem. It is widespread problem. I've, I've seen it in Europe. I've seen it in Australia. I've seen it here in the United States, everywhere I go. In fact, most secular books would tell you that it is a medical disorder. It's a medical disorder. Now, to be sure, severe cases, in, that, in those cases, it can be true. But today I'm not talking about medical disorder. It's way above my pay grade. But I want to talk about the garden variety type of worry and anxiety. The one that we all experience at some point. But we're going to believe God today to provide the power of healing from heaven. Can I get an amen? amen. We're going to believe God to provide healing from heaven. Earlier I said that worry is one of those respectable sins. I know, I know, I know these days the three-letter word sin is just, uh, it's, it's the unmentionable. I mean, you don't talk about sin in church anymore. You don't preach on sin anymore. You can't talk about sin. I remember a, a, a mega church pastor, probably the largest church, he said, I never preach on sin because that turns people off. All right. How are they going to get healing from sin? But truthful people, and I know you all are, truthful people will agree that the reason worry is a sin is because worry and anxiety directly contradict the command of God to trust Him in all our circumstances. How many? Worry spurns God's promises of provision and care for His faithful children. Worry is the very distrust 
in the faithfulness of God. So when we pray, the disciples' prayer, give us this day our daily bread, we are saying, in effect, in effect, here's what we're saying, Lord, we fully trust you for all of our needs. Lord, we fully trust you for all of the provisions for our needs. Lord, we fully trust you to meet all of our needs in accordance with the riches of Christ Jesus. But before I even get to that petition, (laughs) I want to remind you that we began a series on the disciples' prayer, which often we call it the Lord's Prayer. And today, we are really like smack in the middle of that prayer, right in the middle. I'm going to show you, because there are six petitions in the disciples' prayer, six in number. The first three and the second three. In the first three petitions, hallowed be your your kingdom, your will, all about God. And we saw them in the last message. So Jesus is teaching us to start in this blueprint of praying by adoring His name, worshiping Him, and asking for His name to be glorified. We saw that in the last message. I'm not going to repeat it. But <laughs> believe it or not, the second three petitions are also about glorifying the name of God. Did you get that? They are. You say, well, well, Michael, wait a minute. How how can petitioning for our needs uh, is all about the glory of God? I'm going to show you. I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All will glorify God. Every one of them will glorify God. Even though the focus of those three last petitions shifts to our needs, and yet when we ask God to meet our needs, we are asking Him to be glorified by supplying our needs. We are petitioning God to be glorified by highlighting His compassion, His mercy, His grace, and His love. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, when I pray for someone, whether it be for healing or whatever supernatural intervention of God, of any kind, not often, always, I always pray, say, Lord, do this for the glory of your name. Do this in order that your name be glorified. Father, in answering my petition, do it first and foremost. Yes, there's a need. Yes, we want to see your hand working in whatever the person we're praying for. But do it first and foremost for your glory. I know in our modern affluent culture <laughs> where there's the variety of food is so staggering. So staggering at times. Some find it very difficult to pray for daily bread. Others 
who said, man, I'm off bread. I don't eat bread. <laughs> I, 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 I have allergies. I have gluten allergies. I don't eat bread. How can I pray for bread? Well, petitioning heaven for bread is more than just the bread that you eat. Or there are some who arrogantly would say, this part of the petition, this petition is part of the Lord's Prayer, the, the disciples' prayer, is for poor people who live in poor countries. That's why I said arrogantly, say. And ignorantly, too. But in reality, daily bread is more encompassing statement than the bread you eat. It means all of your daily needs. It means all of your daily provisions. It means all of your daily necessities. Now, let me remind you what I said in the last message. In the Lord's blueprint for our prayer, the structure that He gave us, we don't start with the petition for the needs, even though meeting our needs is to bring glory to His name, but nonetheless, we don't start there. We start the prayer before we come with our needs, before we come with our petitions of what we need for this day or for any day for anybody else, because He knows our needs, and He already promised to meet our needs. In fact, He knows your needs before you know it. <laughs> but that's why we begin by blessing and honoring and praising of His name. We seek His rule, His governing rules over our body, over our soul, over our spirit, over every compartment, every area of our thoughts and our actions. We seek His will to be done, not ours, but His. Please hear me right. This is important. I believe there is a deeper reason as to why our Lord wants us to begin by focusing on Him first. Listen carefully. Because by the time you spend time praising Him, honoring Him, rejoicing in Him, adoring His character, adoring His faithfulness, and adoring His name, you're going to discover that your needs already met. Can I get an amen? amen. Faith in His provision for our needs will be met. When we adore Him and worship Him and, and, and find time to spend in living in His presence and walking in His presence, you're going to find and you discover that faith is going to well up inside of you like a, a free-flowing river of God's provision. When our life focus is God, then you will soon discover that God's focus is on your needs. When your life focus is in the glory of, on the glory of God, you will soon discover that God's focus is on your provision. When your life focus is on uh, bringing honor to God's name, you're going to discover that God's focus is on every little details in your life, details that you don't even know. Yeah. 
I, I prayed in the early hours of this morning is that I just don't want anybody to misunderstand me. I really prayed because I know that can be easily misunderstood. Because, you know, you're listening to me, what, for 30 minutes, 40 minutes a, 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 a week, and, and, and then you, for the rest of the week, you're bombarded by secular thoughts and secular thoughts, and, 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 and I can't compete. <laughs> so I pray to God that the Holy Spirit will ta- do His work. First of all, I don't want anyone for a moment to think that whenever you start feeling worry or anxious about something or situation you're in, start feeling guilty. Did you get that? Don't do that. That makes things worse. <laughs> Listen, you know, and I know there's plenty that worries us. There's plenty that makes us anxious in this life. There's lots of it. There are numerous things that brings us worry and anxiety every day. There are people around us who give us enough heartache to worry about. So the question is not whether you're experiencing worry and anxiety. Are you with me? Are you with me? Say amen. Amen. It is not whether you're experiencing worry and anxiety. We all do at some point. But the most important question is this. What do I do when worry strikes? What do I do when I experience some anxiety about anything? What do I do when I experience worry? And that is why it is not worry per se that's a sin, but it is living in worry that's a sin. Can I get an amen? It is not worry per se. I'll repeat it. It is not worry per se that is a sin. It is living in worry. It is the cuddling of worry that is a sin. It's the lifestyle of worrying all the time that's a sin. I even dare that um, that some people get enjoyment out of living in worry. And the Bible gives us lots of examples of how and where to go when worry strikes, when anxiety hits. The epistle to the Philippians, the apostle Paul writes the following, particularly, I just remember, when he was in Philippi, just a reminder, most of you know, he was beaten to a pulp. (laughs) He was was imprisoned. He was tortured. (laughs) You have to agree that this is some things that make you worry, right? You worry a little bit. None of us have been there. But he writes in chapter 4, verse 6, of, to, the, to the church, to the believers in Philippi, in Philippi the, the church, the, the, the members of the church, and he said to them, do not be anxious about anything. What? You guy got beaten until you black and blue. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition. Ah, but that doesn't stop there. With Thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. Question, what will that do? What will that do? Thank God I don't have to come up with the answer. (laughs) The Bible does. Verse 7 goes into the next one. How is that going to help me when I'm worried sick? Verse 7 gives us the answer. You're going to immediately, 
experience peace that does not make sense to anybody else. That peace will fit your emotions and fit your intellect and affect every part like a glove because it comes from God. Why? Because Jesus gives it to you. Listen to me. The one thing about the Word of God is very candid. It's very candid. Paul was open about his needs. He did not skirt them. He did not spiritualize them. <laughs> he did not minimize them. No. He was never afraid to speak honestly and candidly about the hardships that he's facing. But listen to me. When he did this, he was not fishing for sympathy. Hello. He was not even asking for help. But his walk of faith taught him to place all of his needs where they belong. Where? In the back seat, not in the driver's seat. He worked without any promise of support. He's now thrown into prison. I think both situations would make any of us, if we're honest, feel very sorry for ourselves. Hello? I would. When do you feel sorry for yourself? You got beaten from that cause. You know, you're, you, you're pure. But in his longing to bring glory to God, Paul knew that somehow, somewhere, sometime, God is going to meet all of his needs. Amen? And God did. And he did. With an earthquake, <laughs> which converted the prison warden, that the very warden that was beating him up, the very warden who was torturing him, is the very warden who was feeding him. I know it's very hard in our secular society to begin to live by faith like this. I know. I know. Question. Do you want to know how to overcome worry and anxiety? Yes. I mean, every time it raises its ugly head, begin by understanding God's priorities. Understand God's priorities. Don't invert them. Don't reverse them. Listen to me. I know needs are real. I know needs can be very pressing. But they should not consume us. Hear me out on this one. You must make a decision. You must make up your mind, that you're going to choose to trust in the promises of God, that you're going to choose to rest on the promises of God, that you choose to claim the promises of God, that you choose to hold on to the promises of God and lift up the name of Jesus. That is the moment when worry is going to get in its rightful place. At least I know my own experience. Always, when I do that, worry finds wings and flies. Praise God. I don't even say goodbye. I see it fly. 
Some of you might be saying, well, Michael, you got it easy, you got it made. What do you know about worry? <laughs> where your next meal come from or where the family meal come from? What, what, do you, what do you know about worry? Well, obviously you haven't read my book, Trust and Obey. I wrote it in a hurry, by the way, because the vestry members were asking me at the time, you need to finish it before the 25th anniversary of the church. That was 11 years ago. <laughs> I'm going to take time and go back and fill the spaces. When I went for days without food. In strange countries. Well, I knew no one. I truly can say that with the Apostle Paul, I know what it's like to have nothing, and I know what it is to abound. And I praise God for both circumstances. I have faced difficult issues that are out of the experience of most people who are listening to me right now. But these experiences that caused me worry and anxiety did not kill me. I'm here. Am I? Am I not? Hello? I'm standing here testifying to the power of God. <laughs> it's not going to kill you. I am here to testify to the faithfulness of God. He always, always, always keeps His promises. You don't think I have some pressing issues even now? It causes me concern and worry? I do. But the difference is, and I want to speak to the younger ones, because I've been walking with the Lord now for 58 years, so, but I want to tell you, I wasn't always here. I wasn't always where I am now. It was harder in my younger walk with Christ, in my younger years. The difference is under the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, I am learning to praise God first. I'm learning to honor God first. I'm learning to lift up the name of Jesus first. I'm learning to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Now I come to the message. Now I come to the message. Well, actually, I've already been preaching the message, but I say that's to get some of you revived a little bit. <laughs> get you worry. <laughs> You're going to miss out on your lunch appointment. But I want to share with you what the Word of God taught me about His provision for His faithful children. David said, I was young, now I'm old. It's always a good thing to get old. It really is. And listen, don't listen to anybody else tell you, it's, it's not good to be old. It's great to be old. <laughs> it's wonderful to be old because you can look back. And you see the hand of God, and you testify to the hand of God. I've been young, now I'm old. I've never, never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging for bread. Here's what I learned about God's provision for his faithful children. Sometimes... God provides for His children supernaturally. Supernaturally. 
I've experienced that. Some of you have. These supernatural means defy logic. These supernatural means are humanly inexplicable. They would never be understood by the natural mind. They will never be comprehended by the secular people. As I said, I've experienced that, and I know some of you have. But don't take this to mean, as some people do, (laughs) now I can sit on my blessed assurance and say, God, you do it, and I do nothing. It doesn't mean that at all. Listen to me. (laughs) There are some absolutely lazy Christians (laughs) who refuse to work. And they ask God to fill their plates with food and then wallet with money. Doesn't work that way. God does not honor this type of laziness. The Bible calls it the slugger. <laughs> Learn from the ant, you slugger. <laughs> Most often, God's provision for his children is by giving them the opportunity to work and work hard. Paul told the Thessalonian Christians, he said, anyone who can work, refuse to work, has no right to eat. Is that harsh? Yeah, for our sloven culture, yeah. Sloppy, sentimental. God has already provided every one of us, every one of us, with life, energy, resources, intelligence, opportunities to use these to work. Ah, but for those who cannot, are you with me? For those who cannot, God provides for them through the generosity of God's people. And that is why the Bible said, to whom much is given, much is what? Required. God blesses some to provide for those who cannot provide for themselves. The same thing happened with our needs. I know we often talk about healing, but there are a lot of other things. Healing is one of many things that God, that can be provided supernaturally. Sometimes God provides healing through medicine and through doctors. I thank surgeons. I thank God for the wonderful doctors we have here, godly doctors. But then there are other times God provides through the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the showmen and the showwomen. (laughs) You know, I believe in divine healing, but I don't believe in divine healers. They're hocus pocus. We find out later. For often the gift of healing and some of the gifts like this, they are so hidden. They are so obscure. Then they're hidden from sight, almost unknown. That's why James said, when you're sick, invite the elders of the church so that they come and they lay hands and they pray for you. You see, you don't know who the elders have the gift of faith and who has the gift of healing or who has all different gifts of the Spirit working within the elders. And so when they lay hands, God answers their prayers. See, these are supernatural interventions in every area of life. And they're often done within the body without fanfare. 
without notoriety. And that is why when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, or give us what we need today, or give us what we lack today, we are praying that God uses the body of believers to which we belong to exercise their spiritual gift, and that body f- as functions healthily when they're all offering their gifts to work within the body. Here's another important understanding of this wonderful petition. Give us this day our daily bread. When you're asking, give us. This is a childlike trust. Childlike trust in his father's care. Jesus is not saying we need to pray for a daily bread that is due to us yesterday. Are you with me? Or expect that God would provide our daily bread for tomorrow. They said, this day, today. Question, does God care about past pain? Hello? Yes, of course He cares. Does God care about tomorrow's need? Of course He does. But He does not want us either to look back and get bogged down in the past pain or so worried, sick about tomorrow, that what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to be tomorrow, who's going to be there tomorrow. No. Why? Because if you do this, you will miss today's blessings. Can I get an amen? amen. You will miss today's blessings. That's what the Bible often talks about today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of repentance. This is the day the Lord has made. Today, if you hear His voice, harden not your heart. Our God is the God of the past, the present, and the future. But He wants His children to focus on today. Stay with today. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. You know, when God dropped the manna from heaven for His people in the wilderness when they came out of the slavery of Egypt, you know what the word manna means in Hebrew? And actually, it's the same word in Aramaic, Aramaic and Arabic, manna. What is that? <laughs> I mean, they looked at this thing coming down. What is that? That's what manna means. Man, what's that? Every morning, he will rain it down. In the wilderness, he dropped enough for each of them to eat enough for the day. For the day. As much as they need to consume, they were allowed to consume. They were allowed to eat as much as they want to. Ah, but if those who are lacking in faith begin to say, oh, Jose, (laughs) we know he's dropping it today, but what about tomorrow? What about next week? We might not get it. So they stockpiled. 
You familiar with that word, stockpile? Hello, have you got stockpiled food? Yeah. <laughs> Those are stockpiled for a week's supply. When they wake up the next morning, it was maggots and stunk putrefaction right there in their hands. What, was, what lesson God is teaching them? You know what? It is the same lesson He's teaching us 3,000 years later. Same lesson. Give us this day our daily bread. You often hear me say, God is always on time. He's never a minute late nor a minute early. Always on time. And I know many of you have experienced this as much as I have. So I pray that disciples' prayer, I often begin, Father, you promised in your word that when I seek your kingdom and your righteousness first and foremost, all of my needs are going to be met by your gracious, generous hand. Father, help me today not to take your provision for granted. Oh, how easy we do that. Don't allow me to take it for granted, I pray. And I also pray for those who have no provision, that you would teach them the secret of receiving and the provision by seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Father, I acknowledge today that all good gifts come from your generous hand. Help me to bless your name all day long, all day long, believing that you already met all of my needs. You know, I'll let you on the secrets. Some, some people know this. There are times, and just recently, as a couple of months ago, one of our members was praying with me. I said, you know what? I believe God answered that. Let's start thanking Him. Because when you thank God, you know that He ordered it in heaven. You haven't seen it with your eyes yet. And the faith is in whom? In God. When you begin to thank Him ahead of time, you know that God will fulfill every one of His promises. Can I get an amen? amen. I want you to stand to your feet, please. Those who have been around long enough to know that sometimes the Lord lays something on my heart. Other times He doesn't. <laughs> and at 4 o'clock this morning, the Lord's Holy Spirit spoke to my spirit and said, there are people here today who need to make a start of surrendering their worry and anxiety to the Lord. And this is not going to be the be all and inner. This is just the beginning that you're going to say, I will surrender all to Him. Would you get out of your seat and come down here so I can pray with you? Would you lead us in music, please? Now, I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. I know one thing. The Lord was very clear. There are some people here today, they need to make this definitive stand and surrender worry and anxiety to the hand of the one who promised to meet them all. And then you're going to do that every single day. 
This is not just an event. This is not just an action to do it once. This is a daily thing. But you're beginning by saying to heaven, I will do that. Okay? Go ahead and lead us, please. Oh.